Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So, Verse 19 starts off with having therefore. Now, we need to ask the question whenever you read something like that, is that what is having therefore? And that brings us back to verse 12, Hebrews 10, 12, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So what we're explained here in this verse, in verse 12 here, is that it is one sacrifice for sins forever. What we have in the Lord Jesus is the end of all the sacrifices. In the Lord Jesus, we have one single sacrifice that ended all sacrifices. Just think of that statement, one sacrifice for sins forever. That's amazing. Having therefore, in verse 19, is these three amazing words, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Those are the three words, once for all. Now, let's think about that. Let's think about those words, once for all. I mean, try to imagine yourself living in Moses' day, and just think of what that word all really means to you. I mean, all meant all the sacrifices that you had to offer. I mean, when the Lord Jesus gave himself to be the once-for-all sacrifices, he ended the need for all the future sacrifices. Just think of all. And what it meant, this disturbing cloud, so to speak, that hung over you and really plagued you with this question that was always in your mind, and that is, did I really follow all the instructions correctly? Did I get it right about my offering to God? I mean, uh, for you, the book of Leviticus, it'd be a burdensome book almost like having to live and keep 613 commandments that you can't even recite. But the book of Leviticus would be a burdensome book because it left you with a lot of questions about this all instructions for the sacrifices that you had to offer. Because you take the book of Leviticus in Moses' day, and you knew from the book of Leviticus there were five offerings that you were responsible to make. Each one of these five offerings continually plagued you with the questions. You would read, for example, Leviticus 1, and you would realize you were responsible to offer the whole burnt offering. You would be plagued by the question, did I have the correct whole burnt offering as detailed in Leviticus 1? You would ask the question, was the animal really the best one from my herd? Am I sure? Maybe the other one was better. You would read Leviticus 1.4, and you would say, Did I remember to put my hands on the head of the burnt offering? Did I have both hands? Did I really? I can't remember. I must be getting Alzheimer's. 
Leviticus 1.11. Did I make sure the blood of the burnt offering was sprinkled all around the altar? Did I make sure that priest did that with my blood, the blood that I brought? What if it wasn't? And you'd go on to Leviticus 2, and you'd realize, I'm responsible for the grain offering, the grain offering. And so you'd ask yourself the question, did I have the correct grain offering from Leviticus 2? You would say, Leviticus 2.2, 2, you'd look at that and you'd say, did I remember to put the oil on the flour? I think I did, but am I sure that I put it before the burnt offering? What if I forgot the oil? Leviticus 2.2, 2, you would say, did I remember to mix in the frankincense into the flour of the grain offering, my grain offering? What if I forgot the frankincense? Then you'd go on, you'd read Leviticus 3. You realize, I am responsible to offer the peace offering. And you'd ask yourself the question, did I get the right? Did I get it right? Did I have the right, correct peace offering as detailed in Leviticus 3? And again, Leviticus 3.1, you'd ask the question, was it really the best animal? Did Am I sure it didn't have any blemish? Did I check him right? Did I remember to teeth him? Did I remember to look at his knees? Did I remember to mucus in his nose? Is he really healthy? What if I didn't? Leviticus 3.2, did I remember again? Did I put my hands on the head? Before it was killed, did he put all the blood around the altar? Leviticus 3.4. Leviticus 3.4, and you think about the anatomy, and you'd say, did I remember to remove both the kidneys and the lobe above the liver? I can't remember if I removed both the kidneys. I sort of remember removing it. Maybe it wasn't both. And then you go on to Leviticus 4, and you realize you're responsible for offering the sin offering. And again, you'd ask the question, you'd read Leviticus 4.3, Leviticus 4.3, and you'd say, Am I sure it was really a young bullock and not an old one? Did I really check him over well? And again, Leviticus 4.4, 4, same question. Did I remember to put my hands on the head of it? Did I remember that I didn't just drop it off, you know, that it wasn't like, let's see, uh, you know, uh, milk, eggs, and butter and drop off the offering? Did I do all to make sure that the priest really did dip his finger in the blood of my sin offering and sprinkle it seven times before the veil of the sanctuary? that I couldn't even go into? Did I ask him? Did I make sure that you did that? Did you do all this? Leviticus 4, 7. Did I do all this to make sure that some of the blood of my sin offering was on the horns of the incense altar inside of a place that I couldn't even go into? Leviticus 4, 7. Did I make sure the remainder of the blood was poured out at the base of the altar? What if I forgot? Leviticus 4, 7 through 8. Did I make sure that all the fat was removed? from the sin offering and the two kidneys and the lobe above the liver before it was burned on the altar? What if they weren't? And Leviticus 4, 11 through 12, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Did I remember to make sure that my sin offering was burnt and that I removed the skin and the flesh and the head and the dung and the legs and took them outside the camp and burned them out there? Did I do that? What if I didn't? With all that I have to do when I sin, it's better for me just to sit in my house and not do anything because if I sin, I got a lot of work to do. And then you'd read Leviticus 5, and you'd realize that you're responsible for the trespass offering. And you'd ask yourself the question, again, Leviticus 5.15, did I make sure that the ram for my trespass offering was without any blemish? And Leviticus 5.15, did I remember to add to the trespass offering the correct number of shekels that represented 20% more than I cheated that person out of? What if I shortchanged him? And you would ask these questions 
were my five offerings done right for the burn offering and the grain offering and the peace offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering, and it would be hard enough for you just to remember those five offerings, much less all the details that some of which I've gone through here, and you become exhausted. And you remember that this has to be done over and over and over again as you offered all these sacrifices and you felt the burden of those sacrifices that had to be offered. That's what's all encompassed in the word all in Hebrews 10.10, all, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, for all. So those verses, verses 10 and 12, verses 10 and 12, that's what leads us up to verse 19. It's this once for all, it's the grand point that's leading us up to, it's the verse 10, once for all sacrifice, it's the verse 12, one sacrifice for sins forever, done, it's done, it's all done, at last it's done, and we have here is the, is the finality of all the five ongoing offerings that have all been taken care of now in the one offering and now having therefore, having therefore in verse 19. This once for all sacrifice, having therefore this once for all sacrifice, having therefore this one sacrifice for sins forever of the Lord Jesus, having this therefore, brethren, we have boldness to enter in to the holiest of the blood of Jesus. The point is that the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus was so powerful that it silenced all the demands of those five sacrifices and all the details of those five sacrifices. That's the blood of the Lord Jesus, the once for all, one sacrifice forever. What this gives us is a confidence and a boldness, a boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And it's this word, enter. We have boldness to enter. And in order to appreciate that, we have to just think about again how much the Holy of Holies was off limits. It was off limits. And it was as if the tabernacle was there, and right when you came to that to a certain place, it said, this far and no further. There was no access into the Holy of Holies. It was kind of like the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had sinned, and God put the cherubims there with the flaming fire in Genesis 3.23, Genesis 3.23 and 24. And that those cherubims said to Adam and Eve, this far and no further. You cannot come into heaven. It's interesting the Jews call heaven Ganidan. They call it the Garden of Eden. But by their own sin, Adam and Eve were driven out of the Garden of Eden. And in the same way, by their own sin, man was driven out of the Holy of Holies. And for any person who went in, tried to go in, it was certain death. That's the value of the blood of Jesus. That's the value of the blood of Jesus. Now, it reminds me of how dangerous this was. The practice that was done to the high priest, which isn't in the Bible, but it's come down through us, so we know this, down through the years, that when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, it was so dangerous for him that the people tied a rope around his ankle, and the end of the rope was outside the Holy of Holies because just in case the sacrifice wasn't accepted and the high priest was struck dead, you can imagine people saying, I ain't going in there. (laughs) So they had this rope that they could pull him out. And just think of uh, the anxiety that that created in the Holy of Holies. 
I mean, for the high priest, rather. You know, just think of the morning when the high priest gets up and kisses his wife and says goodbye, and they don't know whether he's going to return that day. And because the rope, all very tense, all very tense. Certainly not the picture of boldness to enter in. It's kind of like entering in like this. Look at this blood. Don't look at me. And so now, from that state of fear and trembling to a state of boldness, that's how it was for the high priest. Now, Lord, I know I've sinned. I know I've sinned. I know the people have sinned. But don't look at me. Don't look at them. Just look at this blood. Just look at this blood from this innocent animal. And he approaches with fear. He approaches with trembling. He's maybe shutting his eyes. He's maybe shaking It's a really terrible job. He's sitting there thinking, how come I got this job of being the high priest? Why me? But he did it. And everything depended on the blood that he was holding out as he entered in. And so now the picture is we enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And this is how, it's really the same way. Don't look at me. Don't look at me at my sins. Look at the blood. And the blood of the Lord Jesus is so powerful. It's so in a good way, distracting to God. He sees the blood that he says, okay, you're forgiven because of the blood. Because in Hebrews 10.4, in Hebrews 10.4, it says it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. And you think about that. It says that in Hebrews 10.4, that it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And you ask yourself the question, what was the high priest thinking I mean, what was he thinking? He's thinking, I know that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away our sins. There's got to be a better offering than the blood of these goats and these sins, these bulls and these goats. But that image of the priest, really not sure what's going on. Why do I keep doing this every year? And now you contrast that with Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the blood, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We don't come with wondering. We come with boldness. You know, it reminds me of the time when I was at the Chino Auction, which Chino, Ontario Auction happens every Tuesday. I guess it still happens. I don't know. Anyway, I used to go there and buy goats for making antibodies. And uh, I was terrible at it. I shouldn't have been doing that. But anyway, I, I would always buy the goats that were ready to die, and they would be shot up with combiotics, so they had their big eyes. And I thought, oh, that's a good goat. That's a good buy. And then I'd get home and they'd die. But anyway, I was there one time buying goats, you know, which is totally out of place, you know, a Jewish cowboy that's an oxymoron. But I was there buying goats. And I noticed this one Arab fellow, a Middle Eastern guy, and he had bought his goat. I don't know, for whatever reason, I was just kind of watching him. And uh, he saw me watching him, and he said to me, hey, can you help me? And I said, yeah, sure. So, you know, I went over, and he had this goat. He said, help, help me lift this goat and lay it in the trunk of my car. So I thought, okay. So I lift up the goat. He lays it in the trunk of his car, and then he takes a coat hanger, and then he wraps the legs of the goat with this coat hanger. And I thought, this is really strange. And so, you know, and then he shuts the trunk. So he's got this goat, he's tied up with a coat hanger, he's in the trunk of the car, and shuts the trunk on it. Well, I couldn't help. I said, hey, what's the goat for? What are you doing? And he says to me, my wife is really sick, and I need the goat to sacrifice it for my sick wife. I thought to myself, how did he know he had the best goat? How did he know he had a goat without blemish? How did he know that that was the goat that God was going to be satisfied with? Maybe there was a better one. Maybe it was one of the ones I bought that would have been better. 
And all of those questions that I was talking about of the person, if you were back in Moses' day and you had all these questions for the book of Leviticus, think of the questions of this fellow, this Middle Eastern man in our day, buying a goat to sacrifice for his sick wife. Is it going to work? Have I got the right one? Think of the bondage that you would have had living in Moses' day of that Middle Eastern man who had this goat in the trunk of his car. Who even knew if it was going to be alive by the time he got home? And if it was, would it be accepted to God? That's a bondage. And now think of the freedom from that bondage, whether you were living in Moses' day or whether you were that Middle Eastern man with your wife sick and said, my wife is sick. Oh, she's going to die unless I go get a goat to sacrifice for her. I got to go to the Cheeto auction. I got to buy the goat. I got to find someone to help me get the goat in there and tie him up and bring him home and then kill it so that my wife can live. Think of that bondage. And think of how you have been freed from all of that bondage by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to go to the Cheeto auction. You don't have to go find a goat. You don't have to put it in your trunk and tie it with coat hanger and bring it home and slaughter it. You've been freed by the blood of Jesus, by this one statement here in Hebrews, once for all sacrifice. And we're freed from trying to come into God's presence with the blood of a goat because we have the blood of Jesus that speaks. And it speaks, claims to these accomplishments that we've been studying. So with the blood of the Lord Jesus... When God sees the blood, he hears the blood speaking to him. And the blood of the Lord Jesus is saying for us, remove his sins, redeem him, cover his sins, reconcile him, cleanse him, give him peace, justify him, give him white robes, sanctify him, make him overcome. That's the voice that is crying out from the blood of the Lord Jesus. And God hears that voice, and he hears the blood claiming those accomplishments on our behalf. And the blood satisfies God, and it allows us to come in with boldness to God. From Hebrews ten nineteen, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And just think of how frustrating it would have been for us to have any other access to God except that way. No direct access. In the past, it was all one big sign that said no trespassing. But after the blood of the Lord Jesus, the once for all, now the sign says, welcome, come. Welcome, come. Don't just come, come boldly. Come boldly. As it says in Ephesians 2.18, Ephesians 2.18, for through him... We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Because in Romans 8.15, in Romans 8.15, we are told, you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The blood of Jesus has obtained our adoption papers so that we come crying to God, Daddy, Daddy, I'm coming, Daddy. And all of this has been brought to us because of the blood of the Lord Jesus. 
the blood of the Lord Jesus, where it says in Ephesians 3.11, Ephesians 3.11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. It's so important to see what the blood of the Lord Jesus has accomplished for us by giving us boldness to enter in. If you wanted to take a picture in Genesis of what the blood of the Lord Jesus accomplished, I think one of the greatest pictures is what happened with Joseph's brothers and their relationship with him. Joseph's brothers were alienated from Joseph because they sold him as a slave. They wanted to kill him, sell him as a slave. Apart from that, they had a very good relationship. They had no relationship. But this all changed. And in Genesis 45.3, Genesis 45.3, we read this. Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. His brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. They came near. He said, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. That was a point where the relationship between Joseph's brothers and Joseph was renewed. Before that, there was no relationship, and it's the same with us. There was no relationship with God until we embraced the Lord Jesus and received his blood as our sacrifice, as what brought us together, reconciled us to God. The blood of the Lord Jesus then opened up for us what was a closed door. He took away, the blood of the Lord Jesus took those cherubims away from the Garden of Eden that drove us out from God's presence. The blood of the Lord Jesus destroyed that veil that blocked us from the presence of God. That's what the blood of the Lord Jesus did for us. And that's why it's so precious and so important for us to remember all that he accomplished And it wasn't just then that that was done for us, but it's now the Lord Jesus is working on our behalf, as it says in Hebrews 7.25, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So this is what the Lord Jesus does. His blood destroys the barriers that kept us away from God. It removed the signs that said no trespassing, and it says come boldly. And then, all this is done by the blood of the Lord Jesus, and then he works, continues to work by living to make intercession for us that are coming to God. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing that the Lord Jesus has done for us. So, conclusion today. We close our study now with this 11th accomplishment of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Bible says, let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt the Lord together. Let us exalt the accomplishments of the blood of the Lord Jesus together. Accomplishments of removing our sins, of redeeming our souls, of covering or atoning for our sins, of reconciling us to God, of cleansing us, of giving us peace with God, of justifying us, of giving us white robes, of sanctifying us, and of making us to overcome, and now today of giving us a boldness to enter into his presence. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. 
for the accomplishments of the Lord Jesus and of his blood. We pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to ever be remembering, ever be considering all that your Son, in whom you're well pleased, accomplished when he cried out from the cross. It's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 